Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for joining us for episode number four of BTC. I'm here with Fassel. Fassel, how are you today? I'm doing good. Yourself? I'm good, thank you. Uh, It's been a little bit of a hiatus, but we're back. And we're here really to talk about some of the common terms that you hear in the space and some of the misconceptions that you might have about things like an address or a wallet uh, and what they mean. And this is really a show that's going to focus on being an informed crypto user, because if you're informed and you're educated, then we could demand more from the exchanges demand better service, but you need to be educated in order to, to, you know, to have certain demands. So, you know, let's, let's dive right in. A few announcements, if you will, Nako. The Remtech Awards are being held in Kuala Lumpur from May 8 to May 10th, and the IMTC EMEA, which is being held in Brussels this year, will be on 16th through 18th of May. I will be attending IMTC EMEA in Brussels, so if you're attending, please come and say hello. However, before that, I will be hosting the Innovation Jam of by Terminos in Abu Dhabi on the 15th of April. And on the 16th of April, we'll be moderating a panel on payments at Seamless in Dubai. If you're in either of the shows, please step forward and say hello. It's always nice to meet people. This podcast has been made possible by support from Terminos. Terminos is the top-tier core banking software provider to 41 of the top 50 financial institutions worldwide. Terminos has been guiding financial institutions towards their digital future for more than 20 years. Learn more at Terminos.com. Also supporting our podcast is Stellar. Stellar is a platform that connects banks, payment systems, and people. Integrate to move money quickly, reliably, and at almost no cost. For more information, visit Stellar.org. That's S-T-E-L-L-A-R.org. For legal disclosure regarding this podcast, please review the message at the end of the show. So tell us about what, what are we going to learn today? All right. So we're going to learn um, why you, you know the terms are so terrible in this space. I mean, everyone kind of agrees that some of the terms that we use don't make a lot of sense in crypto, but they were transferred over. And now we're stuck with them, but at least, you know, we can try and understand what they mean um, and, and, um, and make sure that we 
have a better understanding of the technology, even if you're not technical. Because, because as you guys know, I'm a recruiter. I'm not a developer. So I'm also learning all of this from a very non-technical perspective. And if I can understand it, so can you. So let's start with the addresses. Now, I'm assuming an address, you mean the Bitcoin address, right? Yes, yes, the Bitcoin. Your Bitcoin address, your Ethereum address. So people will ask you for your address. And that word, I just, I wish I wish we had a better term. But here, you know, it is what it is. Because when I think of an address, for me, I automatically think of an email address and that it would look like an email address. But it's this very intimidating uh, cryptic looking long very long email address over here yeah. right yeah and you can't memorize it that that's another thing right and there isn't even a standard narco that's the whole thing so you don't you i mean you know a bitcoin address could be different from an ethereum address could be different from a cardano wallet address could be different from a tezos wallet address how, how does even know and and not to mention we have two types of an address with each address as the public address and then there's the private address or something, right? Yes, exactly. And when you say it's something, when you say an address to somebody, you automatically assume that it's something you can memorize, right? It's just normal. Like, how could you not know your own address? So if somebody asks you for your Bitcoin address, you can't possibly say it. You just can't. You have to literally copy and paste it and you really have to double check. So it's just this it's just a just a terrible word, uh, but there is some there are there are um, a, a, a sort of a standardized look to a Bitcoin address, and if you're using a SegWit address, all SegWit addresses start with three. Now, if I'm getting this wrong, and somebody and a developer hears me, please correct me. But from what I've read, um, the SegWit addresses begin with three, and the the legacy chain address begins with a one. So for those of you who are still complaining about the high fees, switch to a SegWit address and it will be a lot less. So if you look at your Bitcoin address and it begins with a one, it means you're still on the legacy chain. So switch and get an address that begins with a three. As simple as that? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you just cooled me today right now. How cool is that? Oh, great! Well, I'm I'm glad I could I'm glad I can help. <laughs> well, this is a fantastic. I never knew that, Nako. Thank you very much. So, we, if you have a original Bitcoin address that starts with a one something, that's the legacy, and three is the SegWit. And if you switch to three, transactions are executed much faster. Correct? Yes, correct. Yep. So then you've got the private address that you mentioned, right? And sometimes this is also called a private key. Sometimes you have something called a private uh, seed. So all of these terms mean the same and they're confusing to people because uh, they're thinking that they're going to have uh, uh, an address that looks the same as the public address. But the, your private key can look completely different. This is where it gets a little confusing. So I have a Ledger Nano. My keys are 12, it could be either 12 or 24 word phrase. And when you, when you, again, we're going to go to, go to a wallet. Cause I also have an issue with the word wallet. I can't, can't stand it either. Uh, Cause you know, for me, a wallet is something that you, 
you know, you walk around within your purse or, you know, your back pocket if you're a man. And if you lose it, you can call, you know, all of your credit card companies and, and get your cards canceled. And that's that. Okay. Well, that doesn't happen with a wallet. Okay. With a wallet, if your wallet gets compromised um, and they get, and they have your private keys, it's gone. Like it's completely gone. Uh, all of your funds. So really the private key is the most important thing. Uh, you don't want to give that to anyone, including the ICO team or the, or the tech team that is, you know, owns the coin. Like if you get an address, uh, an email asking you for your private key, I don't care who it's from. If it's from Satoshi himself, do not give it out. Like just don't because it's a scam. Only you should have your private key. And a lot of people don't realize like the sort of the gravity of that. Explain to the listeners, is there a difference between a public key and a public address? Ah, that is such a good question. So a public key and a public address, from what I know, is the same thing. It's the same thing. So your your public key and your public address are the same thing. Which is identifying you as, you know, saying, okay, this is Nako's address. This is Nako's key. Now, if you were to look at it in a similar fashion, it's, I still need to get into your apartment. That apartment key, that door requires two key, your public key and your private key. Uh, but I, but, but just to get to your apartment, I can have the public key, which is basically your address. I mean, right now you can say, okay, listen, this is my address, you know, one, two, three Broadway street, or, you know, this is my uh, public key, which is basically telling you where the lock is. But I really can't get into that lock until I have the private key, correct? Exactly. Yep, exactly. So Confusing, but, you know. Yes, confusing. Now, then we get to the wallet, okay? So there, there are three types of wallets. There's a paper wallet, a hard wallet, and or or a, or it's sometimes called a cold wallet so hard and cold and hot and soft okay and and the paper wallet is pretty much an offline wallet and i've never i've never used an, a paper wallet to be honest with you so i don't have first hand on how it works uh, but really what it is is a, it's an offline wallet you print it out and you you print your keys and you know you keep them in a safe place but it's offline and sort of the, it's old school. So a lot of the old school people swear by this. This is, this is how they roll. I, I like hard wallets or what they call cold wallets. So my preference is, well, I shouldn't say I have a preference because I, I, I've heard great things about Trezor and there are a couple of hardware wallets on the market and, you know, they're all pretty much the same. Uh, I, t- I use a Ledger Nano. Uh, that's that's what I use, so I can you know th- that's that's uh, the experience that I have with a hard wallet is with them with theirs, and a hot wallet or a soft wallet is on your desktop, and the reason it's called a hot wallet is that it's in my opinion they're less secure, and why do I say that? Because they're on your desktop, and in fact, a lot of the makers of hot wallets will tell you just to treat it like you would literally your wallet, okay? Where you put a couple bucks so that you can go shopping uh, as opposed to keeping all of your funds on your hot wallet. You want to keep 
the majority of your funds in your hard wallet. And this is why I have a problem with the word wallets, because I actually think it would have been a better, the better term to use would have been something like a crypto account or a crypto safe. Like that to me would make a lot more sense. And uh, when you get your wallet, every single wallet that you get, like tattoo this on your head, okay, or put it on a sticky and put it on your computer, you've got to back it up. You must back up your wallet. If you don't back up your wallet and something happens, like your computer crashes or you know you get a virus or whatever the case is, you're going to lose everything if you have not backed it up. And just to add to that, one need not back it up on the same machine. That's that's just putting all the eggs in one basket. You need to back it up on a separate machine, cloud, device, what have you. A very good methodology of backing up something like this is to do it the old-fashioned way. Go get yourself a nice notebook from your local stationery shop. And then write everything down. Yes, it's cumbersome. Yes, it's tedious. Or even just take pictures or screenshots or print something out and paste it into that notebook. So at least you have a physical copy of it. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, what a lot of people do is um, that um, the QR codes, you know, they'll they'll take a, a photo of the QR code or they'll print the QR codes and then they'll put it in like a notebook. So they've got their their backup as a QR code, and you can do that. You can you know you can back everything up like that if you like. Um, in terms of storing your public and your not your public but your private keys, okay, you can back everything up like that. Now, um, oh, I just lost my train of thought. I was thinking of something in terms. Oh, the exchanges. Now, a lot of people, when they first start, will keep all of their money on Coinbase or Bitrix or whatever exchange, and they'll think that that's okay. And here's the thing. You don't own your private keys if it's on an exchange. So if they get hacked or something happens, like, and they, and they choose not to give you back, you know, give you your money, that's, it's gone. So the, the make sure that when, whenever you make a trade or whenever you're buying your crypto, that you, get your own wallet and you transfer your crypto from the exchanges. Do not leave your, your, your funds on the exchanges because it's technically not yours if it's still there. So that's an, so that's something else that, you know, a lot of people continue to do. They, they but, leave their but, money on the exchange. Let me ask you this. I, you know, this is a question that comes again and again. And yes, if it's on, it's on the exchange, the asset does not belong to you. It's marked for you, but it's not yours because you don't have the private key. The private key is, on the, is with the exchange. The question that I have, and, and obviously every, uh, every other person has, is if you are trading different types of assets and you do not have a Ledger Nano S wallet you know, or, or Trezor or something like that, then how do you transfer all these multivariant currencies and crypto assets um, to yourself. I mean, is there one wallet that has all of these in, enabled in it or, 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 or do you need a multitude of wallets to then download and keep track of? That's such a good question. Okay, so all of the ERC-20 tokens can be saved on the hardware wallets that that have Ethereum, okay, that accept Ethereum. So, 
for example, all of my ERC20 tokens, I keep um, on Ledger. I keep on the Ledger Nano. So all of them, and there are a ton, as you know, there are a lot of ERC20 tokens. Now, if the, the token is not an ERC20 token, then you've got to, um, you know, check out if the coin itself has their own wallet. Um, so a lot of the big coins are supported by, you know, either Ledger or Trezor. Um, the, even the hot wallets are now, you know, they'll update every now and then. So if you go to um, to Exodus, for example, they will allow people to submit requests. You know, so if you don't see your coins uh, being accepted by them, you can actually send a request and say, "Hey, you know, can you please, you know, support my coin?" Uh, but if that's not the case, go to the website of the token, download their wallets, because most of them have their own wallets. And when you download their wallets, again, make sure you back it up, and then you can transfer the tokens to that wallet. But most. Um, uh, most uh, teams will create a wallet that will enable you to that will that will allow you to save your coins on their on their wallet on their own desktop wallet. So, but it is nonetheless a cumbersome process because if you like I said, it might be an ERC twenty token that's fine, but what about non ERC twenty tokens? You know, what about uh, things like let's say uh, Tezos? Well, Tezos is not uh, trading right now, but it will be. But what about things like, um, let me think of an example, Cardano. Cardano, you know, ADA, it, it has its own wallet. It has its own uh, system. It's not an ERC-20 token, if I'm, if I'm uh, led to believe, and so forth. And there are many currencies. You know, again, managing, downloading all those wallets, putting your tokens into them, and then the the... The difficult part is that these wallets need to be synced and they take some time to sync and not to mention some memory because they will sometimes download the blockchain, et cetera, and so forth. Isn't there a shortcut to this thing other than leaving it on the um, exchange itself? Yeah, that's this is where there's so much opportunity in this space for other businesses to come in and offer these type of services. So, one of the uh, projects that I know called Ethos, if anyone's listening for, from Ethos, please, if you want to come on the show and explain what you guys are trying to do, but I believe what that team is trying to do is exactly what you described. They want to have a much easier way for people to store you know, a lot of their, their coins, their cryptocurrencies uh, in a very, you know, user-friendly fashion, they're also going to have what they call cold storage um, services so that they'll they'll be able to store the coins for you, kind of like being a custodian and, um, and have it offline. So there are a lot of opportunities to do this because it, it is something that's lacking right now. And that's probably why a lot of the institutional investors are still sitting on the sidelines because um, technically, they, by law, again, correct me if I'm wrong, if somebody's listening out there that, that knows more than me, feel free to come on the show and, and explain how this works to us. But if they're an institutional investor, they're not able to actually um, keep the funds of their of their clients. Like they have to have a custodian. So, you know, they wouldn't be able to download you know, a Dash wallet and keep like a couple million 
dollars worth of dash for our client. It, it can't be done. They need they need somebody like an ethos or a, or you know who whomever is going to act like a custodian for for um for wallets um the way that you're describing. So it's something that we need. We we don't have it yet. And you're absolutely right. There's there's no other way other than like downloading, you know, if you got like a dozen non-ERC20 tokens, you got to download them all pretty much um and have them on your desktop to to store your crypto. Unless they are supported by the the ledger or or Trezor. So Dash for example is supported, right? So you could just store your your dash in your trez uh in your trezor or your ledger nano does that make sense yes it does yes it does yeah so um oh now in terms of an address here's a huge misconception a lot of people have speaking of the exchanges and the addresses if you have bitcoin on bitrix for example and you make a mistake by sending it to the wrong bitcoin well you make a mistake in whatever, maybe you copy and paste it and you, yeah, you make a mistake. Let's just say that. And it's a large amount. Let's say you're transferring like $20,000 worth of Bitcoin and you realize, oh my God, I sent it to the wrong, not maybe not sent it to the wrong address, but you missed a letter. Okay. There is something called a chain, a cross chain recovery process that some of the exchanges offer, meaning that you can actually recover your Bitcoin if you make a mistake. Because many people believe that if you make a mistake, it's gone. It's like, you know, in the ether, pardon the pun, um, and it's gone. You've lost it forever. But there actually is a way to recover it. There has to, to be a it. caveat to the statement, right? I mean, if I am sending money to you and the address is correct, but I actually meant to send it to someone else. Uh, that address is also correct. But if I send it to you, I don't think so a cross-chain recovery process can recover that money. I sent it to a, a bona fide address. It was sent. There were confirmations. Transaction is completed. I think what you're implying is if there was a address was incorrect or if the address is not full, then the transaction might go into this ether uh, black hole and then the cross-chain recovery process may come out. Am I reading you correctly? Yes. Thank you for clarifying that. So it's, yes. So it's, it's like a mistake, meaning you missed a letter, you missed a number. Um, yeah. So it's, it's based on that because if you sent it to somebody else's address, you know, unless that person is like, oh man, you know, let me, let me send it back. Cause I didn't expect this, which how like that's never going to happen, you know. But um, uh, if it, if it's a, if it's a missing letter, then they have a way to recover it. They will charge you a fee, and uh, I believe the charge is 0.1 BTC, but the amount has to be over five thousand dollars at the time of tra- of the transfer. So they're not going to do small amounts or anything less than 5000 Now, I'm not sure if this um, policy is still in place. But, um, th- you know, again, this is something that I grabbed on uh, online. And as we know, exchanges change their policies like their underwear. I mean, they're always changing things. So this is um, – this is something that, you know, may not still be a policy, but here's the thing. 
if this is something that could be done technically, you know, calling all developers who may be looking for a business idea, like somebody should be, should have a recovery process or a cross chain recovery process company startup. I mean, how much money do you think they would make? Like people, there are hundreds of millions of dollars that have been lost in crypto due to human error, due to mistakes like this. And this also is for uh, Ethereum as well, but the exchanges only, from from what I've read, the exchanges only offer it for uh, Bitcoin and Bitcoin forked tokens. Ethereum, I don't think any of the exchanges offer this service for Ethereum, but technically I have heard, and again, if somebody you know wants to correct me, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I have read is that you can also do this with Ethereum if you make a mistake on Ethereum. There is a way to recover your 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 uh, ETH, uh, but again, it takes a lot of technical maneuvering. It's not for the faint of heart, but it can be done. So here's my request to the community: If anybody wants to, you know, has a business idea or, or is thinking of, you know, man, I wonder what I could do for the crypto community. This is what you could do: You will make a killing. You will make a lot of money because I can tell you the pr- the price of Ethereum has gone up so much and there are people who have lost so much Ethereum that they will pay you a handsome fee to recover it. Well, it's, it's almost akin to like, you know, all the coins sitting in the back of the sofas and you have some sort of a magnet and you pull them out, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, um, I would love to see somebody offer that service. All right. So what's another... Um, what is okay? So did I did I explain the hard the hard wallet and the, and the hot wallet and soft wallet sufficiently? Do you think people have a good idea? We'll get their their feedback and see what they say, and then if not, they will take it on the next episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess so. I guess we'll 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 do that. All right. So now a fork. You hear this all the That's time. A, this is a very important and one, the fork, because it's not just about money, but it's also that you don't want to leave money on the table when the fork happens. Yes. And we've had a lot of forks in this space and some of them are contentious and some of them are friendly. So I was given this example and this really made sense to me. So you've got a hard fork and a soft fork and a hard fork implies non-backwards compatibility. Okay. So for example, Bitcoin and Bitcash. So Bit, Bit, excuse me, Bitcoin Cash. So Bitcoin Cash is a hard fork of Bitcoin, meaning it's not backwards compatible. However, um, and and say, same with um, Ethereum Classic and Ethereum. Okay, so Ethereum was a hard fork of Ethereum Classic because Ethereum Classic, you know, was the original, and then they hard forked it and continued continued the chain. So, um, but there are uh, something called soft fork. So, uh, the uh, probably the best example of a soft fork would be um, Segwit, right? Segwit was really a soft fork because the community, you know, the majority of the community agreed, and 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 it, it is backwards compatible with the main chain, if that makes sense. Um, so, in in word. Like Word documents, if you have you, you know, sometimes when you get a Word document, sometimes it says 
dot doc and sometimes it says dot docx it kind of depends like there are two versions of word so that's an example yeah that's the earlier version and the late and and i guess the preceding words uh, word versions after 1997 or something i don't know yeah so so that's backwards compatible so that's a soft fork so so the doc x is actually a soft fork of the dot doc the original word ending you know the word version so that so so you know this happens in other situations too it's not just just not just cryptocurrency where there where there forks um, and a lot of a lot of the times in the space forks are based on philosophy they're not just um, based on you know the fifty one percent attack because I think originally when when people thought of the word you know fork in cryptocurrency it was based on the fact that okay if there's a fifty one percent attack we'll be able to you know fork it and 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 protect protect the integrity of the chain but as we've seen the forks recently that we're seeing have all been philosophical right you know people don't agree with how certain things are done so they will do a fork and one of the most um, recent forks that we've seen in bitcoin has been something called bitcoin private and this is where crypto gets really it's sort of i don't know what the word it's interesting it's fascinating because there are all of these different factions and different parties and different players so bitcoin private is a fork of something called z classic and z classic was a fork of something else called z cash so in this space you've got forks of forks of forks so you'll so if you go into um oh, what's that github you'll you'll you can see the trees you can see the different you know, where it begins. It's sort of this evolutionary tree, you know, of, okay, this was the original Bitcoin. And it's fascinating because if you go into even Wikipedia and you see all of the forks of Bitcoin, it's just, it's really fascinating. You're thinking, wow, what's going on here? Um, but but uh, this brings me to another term uh, called the pre-mine. Okay, and, and you know, you'll see a lot of coins, uh declare that they haven't been pre-mined. Okay. And that's sort of a way of saying, you know, we've got integrity. We haven't pre-mined anything. You know, we're not, we're not going to be um, charging users uh, a, a fee or um, a tax, as some people like to call it, for uh, having this, you know, chain that we've created or this coin that we've created that we think is better. And why am I bringing up the term pre-mine? I'm bringing this up because a lot of coins will use this as a reason to fork. And this is what happened with Bitcoin uh, Private uh, and Z Classic. They pretty much forked uh, from Zcash because they didn't agree with the fact that the Zcash developers pre-mined the tokens. And pre-mining literally means that, you know, they have a portion of the tokens that they keep, right, for themselves. And they, you know, have different reasons for keeping it. Some some say, you know, we're keeping this because we worked hard and this is an investment in, in ourselves and the team. And we think the coins are going to be very valuable. So we're keeping a percentage of those coins for ourselves. Uh, some other de- developers will say we're keeping these coins that we've pre-mined so that we can stabilize the price. So they're sort of acting even as like 
sort of mini central banks, if you, if you want to really look at it that way. You know, they, they believe that they can, they can stabilize the price by having a certain percentage of the coin. Um, and so you're, you're, you're going to see all of these, you know, different philosophies in the space. And this is where the, the forking comes in. So, you know, if you're new to the space and you're freaking out that you're seeing all these forks, do not freak out or panic. It's normal. It's completely normal. And, you know, it's not going to affect the price. It really isn't. At least I don't Let think Let me ask it is. you a question. Mm-hmm. So if you have a, a, a soft fork and a hard fork, right? Are these, is, is it right to say something like this? A soft, fork, a soft fork and a hard fork? Yes. And one that is backward compatible and one that is not. If I had, let's say, before the fork happens, money, um, and a soft fork happens, do I get twice my money or do I just get I to choose once? And if a hard fork happens, how does that work? Okay. I, I'm, I hope I understand the question. So, so like, you know, when, when, the, when the hard fork happened with um, Bitcoin Cash, if before the fork date, if you had money in the Bitcoin, uh, you know, uh, blockchain ledger at that time, uh, you also had the equivalent amount in Bitcoin Cash. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. So, so that's so, my question. You know, when is it that you won't have the equivalent amount? And when is it that you will have the equivalent amount? Okay. So a, a soft fork is pretty much an agreement that everybody decides they're going to upgrade. In fact, a really good word for the, for the term fork is an upgrade because that's pretty much what it is. It's an upgrade, right? So let's say the, com- the entire community says, yay, we're going to do the upgrade and everyone agrees then it's going to stay the same. Like nothing, you're not going to get additional, you know, dividends, if you want to call it that. You're not going to get another set of money, currency. But if there's a hard fork, then you're going to get another another new currency. So in the case you brought up Bitcoin Cash, when Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash decided to do a hard fork, everyone... Um, that had it there. And what most teams do is they will announce um, a date. Okay. They'll say, uh, and they'll, they'll give the date and the block, the block uh, height and, you know, which block will be what they, it's like a timestamp. I wish I remember the term. There's a specific term that they use, but they, they have a, a timestamp of when um, you need to have held Bitcoin in this case in order to receive the equivalent amount of their new coin that they're going to hard fork. So in the case of Bitcoin Cash, if you had it, you know, uh, before August, whatever, I can't remember the date, but, you know, they had a date that they gave people. And if you had your that amount of Bitcoin, you would get the, the, the same amount of Bitcoin Cash. So initially, people were really stressed out about forks. I mean, it just freaks people out, really. In the beginning, it did. But now the community is kind of looking at it like, you know what? Forks are going to be inevitable, and we're just going to have to deal with them. And, you know, some people are always going to have a disagreement, and they can go on and fork from the original um, chain, create their own. That's fine. And we'll just look look at it as a dividend. So there are people who have 
you know, quite a few, whether it's Bitcoin gold, they've got Bitcoin cash, you know, they, they will claim um, these quote unquote dividends and not see it as much of as, as much of a threat as they once had, because it's, it just is the way it is. And if you look at the history of Bitcoin, there are a lot of really great projects that forked off of Bitcoin that are now doing extremely well. So Dash is a fork of Bitcoin. You know, they broke off and they, they've done a lot uh, to their to their crypto, but the original, you know, it, they they forked. It, they're really a fork when you when you th- look at it technically. Um, and Zcash is another really great project. That is, isn't everything a fork of uh, Bitcoin? You know. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I've said that to people. Like, I'm like, well, at the end of the day, everything's a fork of Bitcoin. But there, there's some who di- who disagree. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they disagree, and and you know their their projects. Uh, what's that? What's that new coin? Um, where it's not even a blockchain, IOTA. Okay, so I, IOTA could be seen as its own thing, right? It's not a fork of Bitcoin, um, but you know, people are going to have their their differences. <laughs> so next we have uh, another. This is probably one of the most controversial. I think is the ASIC. ASIC resistance coins. You're going to see that term. And what do you, what do they mean by ASIC resistant? Well, ASIC um, is a chip, a modified chip that was created to specifically process the SHA-256. Um, this, this is the algorithm of Bitcoin. And why this was so controversial is because it gave those who had an ASIC chip in their machine, a, a, an advantage because that, that's all it does, right? So, um, well, I mean, the slight technical definition is you know, ASIC is stands for application specific integrated circuit. So, whatever you program the chip to do, if you chip out, you know, make the chip to count canaries, it'll just do that count canaries, nothing more. If you make the chip to do you know, whistle all day long, it'll just do whistle all day long. If you make it to try to attempt to break the SHA-256 algorithm, that's what it'll do. So it's geared to do a very specific task that you program it for, it's custom developed, and that's all it does. And that, and obviously it has a huge advantage over um, the regular folks. So for example, if you have a, a, a Formula One car, it's meant to go around a circuit really fast. That's the only thing. It's not meant to do groceries. It's not an all-purpose car. So if you have a Formula One car on the circuit versus a regular Corolla on the circuit, you know you, you can see how disadvantaged the Corolla is because it's not application-specific for the track and the Formula One car is. That's the kind of analogy that an ASIC chip has over a regular computer or machine that you may have. Beautiful. That was a great analogy. Yeah. So uh, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's, people felt like it was cheating, you know, uh, and they, they kind of equated it to that. So, yeah. So you, you will see these terms that, um, and, and people tend to like that because they feel that, you know, the whole purpose of crypto is for the little guy, right? It's for the little guy. It's to- it, it 
This is inequality, you see, because an ASIC chip starts at about maybe, I don't know, $1,300, $1,500, $2,000, or $5,000. So it induces inequality. The minute it's, you know, so again, let's go back to the Corolla and the F1 example. How many people can afford an F1 car? The only the rich ones can, or even lease one for a day on the track, etc. How many people have a Corolla or a Corolla equivalent? Many, many, many people have it. So it when you induce inequality, needless to say, the other person has more computing power, more horsepower. They can do more things. They can take control of more percentage or shares of the pie than you can otherwise. Exactly. Exactly. Well said. So are there any other terms that you, that you, you know, think that people sort of have a misconception about or? So I, I, I would like you to maybe talk a little bit about some of the trading terms, because I feel everyone is in it for trading, at least in the short run, you know, and if you could maybe amplify or give some example of some of the trading terms, that would be great. Sure. So one of the most famous ones that people will see a lot um, is to the moon. Okay, everybody loves a coin that's mooning, that's going to the moon. And this really just... And that's not mooning, mooning, as in like, you know, taking your (laughs) trousers down and chewing your ass to someone. Mooning means it's just going ballistic. The prices go to the moon all the way up. Yes. All, yeah, exactly. To upward momentum. You know, the price keeps climbing. Uh, you know, you or you believe in a token that's going to go up one day. So you know you're you've, you're betting on it going to the moon. Uh, another uh, term that's often used is whale, and this is from the regular trading world. They use that term as well, uh, but it really is a, you know it's a trader with a large account, uh, and it could be in more than one currency, not just one cryptocurrency. And uh, the person is usually very bullish um, in general um, on the price of a particular cryptocurrency. So they will buy quite a bit of it. They'll have a huge bag uh, of multiple currencies or one particular currency. And anyone can really be a whale. Um, I think in the traditional world, whales are usually, you know, the institutions or, you know, the really big, big, big guys. But in crypto, you know, if you get, if you got into an ICO um, and it was four cents and you bought a ton of it, uh, but you're still, you know, a pretty small player, you're a whale in that particular coin. Another one that is very, very popular is HODL. In fact, we love this term. I love this term. <laughs> and and HODL, sometimes people say it's hold on for dear life. But really, the meaning is from a drunk post um, of, a, of a Bitcoiner. Uh, he posted something <laughs> on, on Reddit. Reddit. Yeah. 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 And he misspelled it. He meant to it. say hold, right? Yeah. yeah he, meant to, he meant to write hold. And it's really, it's just such a funny rant. Like he's sort of ranting about the fact that uh, and this was, I think, 2013. He was ranting about the fact that, you know, uh, the price is going down, but he's still going to hodl. He's still going to hold, but he just couldn't couldn't spell it right. And that's why we He could this not term. hold on to his liquor and hence the mistake. Yes, yes. It's very funny. We'll put it in the And po- it's turned into a subculture almost, right? So, I mean, everyone uses the term. Many people don't know about the idea, but still, it's it's... It's one of those things that everyone knows about, but don't know why they're saying it. 
Yeah, exactly. And we'll put a link to the show notes so people can actually read the original Reddit post. Uh, the other one is FOMO. Uh, and I think this is used in other other instances too, outside of crypto, but we use it a lot in crypto because this is pretty much the, the lifeblood of crypto is FOMO. I mean, this is what drives the whole space, I think, for the most part, uh, is fear of missing out is, is what the acronym stands for. Um, or, you know, what I like to call panic buying. So instead of panic buying, people FOMO. Uh, the opposite of FOMO is panic selling. So a lot of emotions, uh, and which brings me to the next uh, next uh, abbreviation that we, we use a lot is FUD, which stands for fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And you'll see a lot of FUD as well in the space. There's as much FUD as there is FOMO. Uh, and FUD tends to bring about Bear markets, uh, which were again, this is word from Wall, Wall Street. You know, bear market is you know when when the sentiment is that you know things are going down, um, and the and the people that are often um, excited, I would say, about the bear market are uh, investors and traders who are actually betting on a particular currency or market, you know, going down and profit profiting from that. From, from the actual coin either going down or the market going down. So although crypto, it's a little harder um, to, I think, profit from a bear market or to be a bear because it, there's just not enough liquidity and it's still a really, really small market. But there are a few bears out there. Um, and then the opposite of that would be uh, a bull. You know, the, the it's exactly what it sounds like. You know, and again, this is borrowed over from Wall Street. So a bull market is, you know, when sentiments are high and there's optimism, things are going up. Um, another term that I think is really interesting is um, tanking. Okay, so, so, so if something is tanking uh, or tank, it's literally the opposite of, of mooning. Uh, and so when there's a, a crash in crypto, you know, we'll, we'll use the word, you know, that, crypt, that coin is, is tanking. Another one, um, which is hilarious, I think, is wrecked. And I didn't realize that this was actually something that was borrowed from another subculture, online subculture, but gamers um, use this term as well, which I thought was, which I learned recently. I didn't realize. I thought this was like a crypto thing. And it's spelt R-E-K-T. So it's a misspelling of the word wrecked, as in W-R-E-C. K-E-D, right? Uh, and it, you know, means exactly what it sounds like, right? It's, you know, it means you're being destroyed or ruined. And one trader um, uh, in Bitcoin on on Reddit, um, okay, I had an example of someone getting wrecked, but I'm not, I'm not going to talk about that. Let's, let's move on. This is pretty self-explanatory what that word means. Okay. Another one is uh, D-Y-O-R which is do your own research. And you'll see that, you know, on most blogs or, or uh, commentary, people will say, do your own research. I, I recommend this. I think this is great. You know, I like it, but do your own research. So always make sure that you're doing your own research. When you listen to, you know, Fessel and I talk about various cryptocurrencies or projects, still do your own research. I mean, don't, you know, um, necessarily take every single word we are saying 
uh, as as the gospel. You know, we're also yeah. learning. And, and it's important to note we are not investment advisors. We are not investment strategists. This is why we have a disclaimer at the end of the podcast. It is about three minutes or four minutes long, but it is exactly that for this purpose, that if you are going to be taking our advice and running with it and then investing your your college savings or what have you and you go bust, please don't come crying back to us because we can't help you. Yeah, exactly. Another term you'll see a lot is Lambo. And Lambo. Oh, I love this one. <laughs> and, it, and it's not an acronym. It's, it's just literally short for Lamborghini. Yeah, yeah. It's, and I mean. Lamborghini. Why is it that Lamborghini is? Why not a Ferrari? Why not a Mercedes? Why a Lambo? I think because Lambos are the most ostentatious. Like they're the most flashy. They're, I, you know, I'm not a guy, but I'm assuming that, you know, most teenage boys, when they think of the car that they dream of, it's, it's a Lambo, right? I, I don't, I don't know. It's definitely not, I'm a woman. I can't even relate. I cannot relate to the Lambo thing. It's like, meh. <laughs> yes. Mm. Uh, for, for a woman, it might be a Birkin bag. Maybe that, I don't know. Uh, but um, and for those of you who don't know what a Birkin bag is, it's good that you don't know what a Birkin bag is. Trust me on that one. Yeah, they're very expensive. Uh, okay, so fiat currency. We this term is used a lot. So people will just say fiat, and fiat literally means the you know the U.S. dollar, Canadian dollar, Australian dollar. It's dollars that we use in that that's backed by the government. Okay, so but it has a very negative connotation in this space. Well, it, it is you know neg- negativity aside, it is important to understand that there is a difference between something called the fiat, which say, let's say the United States dollar, and something called the USDT, T for t- tethered. The two are inherently very different. One is a stable coin, or allegedly is a stable coin, and the other is the you know. A dollar note that is backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government. So don't don't be fooled by by both of them as that they are both the same. They are not. They're two inherently very different financial instruments. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, that's definitely true. And there's so much controversy around tether these days, but that's for another podcast. Okay. And then the the last term is Satoshi. And Satoshi is what we use when we're trading, okay? Well, you know, I shouldn't say that because most exchanges will have the U.S. equivalent as well. So you'll be able to, you know, make your trades in U.S. dollars. But once you really, at least for me, like when you really start getting into trading and loving the space, you'll start thinking in Satoshis. One day you'll wake up and you'll think in Satoshis. It'll freak you out, but it'll happen. And what a Satoshi is, it's the smallest unit of Bitcoin named after the creator of Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto. And again, Satoshi Nakamoto is a pseudonym. It's, you know, we don't know who they are, he, she, it could be a group of people. Some people think it's actually a group of people and not one person because, you know, it's just such a genius idea and really requires a very multidisciplinary type of approach and thinking to come up with what he or she or they came up with. Um, so one Satoshi is worth, 
Uh, how well, can well, I say Satoshi this? Satoshi is the most elementary uh, unit of currency when the Bitcoin. So think of Bitcoin as a dollar. If you ask one uh, person holding a dollar, one dollar, how many cents? Let's say 100 cents. So we have two things here. We have a ratio. One is to 100. Uh, and we have the association. One dollar equals 100 cents. So one Bitcoin equals 100 million Satoshi. Satoshis are the cents equivalent in the Bitcoin world. Great. That, thank you. Thank you for that analogy. I was trying to think of how can I say this on the air? Because it's so it's many- a cent equivalent. It's a cent equivalent. So one Bitcoin, a hundred million satoshis. So rather than having a hundred satoshis, Bitcoin is divisible by so much, so much that you know uh, it, it's it, if, for example, Bitcoin becomes worth ten million dollars. Just example. Wouldn't we all love that? And a burger costs four dollars. How do you? How do you give me point zero 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 zero? So you don't give me that. You basically give me, let's say, something like four satoshis or eight satoshis or eighty satoshis and so forth, and that would be equivalent to four dollars. And that's how the elementary unit, you know, works. It's the same way as the lira used to work when the Turkish lira and the Italian lira used to be there. Yes, it's. But I think the way that it's done, it's um, it's not user friendly. <laughs> it really is it. I mean, you know. Well, it's, it, and I don't think so it will be. I disagree with you that, you know, we'll, we'll start thinking in terms of Satoshi. I mean, you know, today if we even accumulate all our wealth in terms of gold, no one actually says, oh, you know, I'm a Nako, I'm a 32 grams, baby, you know, 32 grams. I mean, no, 32 grams means nothing to me until I start equating it with the U.S. dollar or equating it with the currency in which I make my salary in. And that is how we are going to change it. It hasn't changed over the last five, six hundred years. I don't think so. We will be changing it anytime soon. It is the utopian dream that we will start thinking Satoshis and so forth. But let's be realistic. It's not going to happen. Not at, not, at least not in my lifetime. Yeah. Well, well I think if we were to, uh, outside of trading, uh, because I don't think of it when I'm grocery shopping or anything like that, it's only when I'm looking at what, where, where did I get in on the trade? You know, did, how much Satoshis did it cost me and how much Satoshis am I making regardless of where the U.S. dollar is? I don't look at the U.S. dollar anymore. I always look at how much Bitcoin do I have? You know, how much Bitcoin is this coin worth? So all of my, all of my altcoins, I actually convert them to Bitcoin. Which is weird. Yeah, but then again, you know, it, it, it is weird. But you know, you have to understand. You're looking at half half uh, of the equation because at some point in time, you either must have taken the dollar equivalent and converted it to Bitcoin or the other alt currencies, or at some point in time, you would be interested to converting it back to you know the fiat currencies, and you would like to know what was your gain when you started this entire exercise and you know did you really make money or not for most people they really don't care um, you know but for astute investors and, and and people who keep a track of things then the entry and exit points of, of the currency pair does matter and i think you know that's that's about it in terms of there are many other terms by the way i mean this is just the tip of the iceberg there are a lot of other trading terms that we didn't go through and maybe you know on other shows we'll talk about other other terms um, but yeah what i love about this space is that it, there is a subculture 
Uh, it is a subculture in terms of, you know, having its own terms and, and history behind the terms. And there's a lot of humor. There are a lot of memes that use the terms. Uh, so we, so as much as it can be very stressful at times in crypto, there's a lot of humor, a lot, a lot of humor. Um, and, you know, people joke about everything uh, under the sun and Twitter is a riot. If you're not on Twitter following some of the crypto people, yeah, I, I recommend it because you'll you'll get a good laugh. Um, people definitely know how to laugh at themselves, which is really refreshing in a space that can also be really, you know, filled with vitriol at the same time, right? It's sort of two extremes. Uh, yeah, so that's, uh, you know, I, I think in conclusion, really what, what I can say is that, um, you know, learn the terms. I think that they will help you. Um, you know, ha- feel a sense of community because it is a community of people uh, that, and, you know, we're, we're kind of still outsiders, right? We're still seen as a bit crazy by the mainstream. Uh, but I think when you, when you learn the terminologies and you better, it will better help you navigate the space and you'll also enjoy it more because at the end of the day, you want to have fun because it is a lot of fun. And on that note, we'll say goodbye and hopefully we will, you know, be back on the air next week. And if you have any questions or comments, please, you know, send it to us. It's behind the coin at aroundthecoin.com or BTC at aroundthecoin.com. If you wish to email us directly, you can use our emails. Nako is N-A-K-O at aroundthecoin.com. And I am Faisal, which is F-A-I-S-A-L at aroundthecoin.com. Speak next week. And Nako, you have a good one. Yeah, have a good one. Bye-bye. The views and opinions expressed on any program are those of the hosts, co-hosts, and guests appearing on the show and do not necessarily reflect the view of the owners and producers of the show. Paid advertisements in form of audio announcements may appear throughout the show, including this one. Advertising can also include print and other digital formats. The owners and producers of Around the Coin do not endorse or evaluate the advertised product, service, or company, nor any of the claims made by the advertisement. All programs are subject to a one-time charge for professional editing fees, for which the interviewing guest or guests may have contributed towards. The owners, producers, hosts, co-hosts, and guests on the show are not financial advisors. Any investment advice or opinion cited during the show is for information purposes only. None of the content is intended to be investment advice. Seek a duly licensed professional for investment advice. If you believe there's been any violation of your copyright, trademark, service mark, or any other type of intellectual property, please inform us in writing by sending an email to legal at aroundthecoin.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 